Hi guys, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I'm your host, Monica, and I am joined with an awesome, awesome guest. Uh, why don't you go ahead and you know give a short little introduction, introduce yourself to the people, tell them a little about yourself. Okay, I am Luscious Garbage on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, my actual name is Theresa. Uh, I've had the TikTok for, God, I guess maybe a year and a half, maybe mm-hmm. almost two years. Um, and I recommend movies, some yes. that are lesser known, a lot of cult films, whether they're known or not, um, some B-movies, um, forgotten movies, um, just like, you know, not not all nostalgia, but a lot a lot of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guys, she Very has, into 90s. <laughs> she talks about, you know, kind of, like she said, older movies, forgotten flicks, she has over 80,000 followers on TikTok, so go ahead and be part of the 80,000. Go follow her. She's awesome. Yes, do, please. Yes. <laughs> her videos are really great. And, you know, today um, I wanted to talk about classic old, you know, films with mainly Black-led and Black directors because this podcast is coming out in February during Black History Month. And I love your videos so much. And I was just thinking to myself, like, what is the topic that I want to discuss on the podcast that can, like, correlate with what you talk about? That way it can be, like, you know, simpatico, you know? Yeah. And so today we're going to talk about older classic films, older classic Black films. But before we get into that, we are going to get into the first uh, segment of the podcast, which is... um, basically talking about new releases. We talk about things that are coming out very soon. And there are a lot of new releases in February. One that I see is Your Place or Mine. It's going to be coming out on Netflix February 10th. And it stars Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher. And it's basically like a romantic comedy kind of deal. And I love Reese Witherspoon. I sincerely love like... Sweet Home Alabama, um, yeah. This Means War, like whatever she does, romance comedies. Oh, so you are like, you're a deep cut. <laughs> like you, you are a real fan. Yes. You said This Means War. Yes. <laughs> Nobody even knows about that. What do you mean? What do you Nobody mean? Even... What? Hilarious. No, what do you mean? You don't know. This has Chris Pine and yes. Jason Statham, I think. Yeah. No, no, not Jason Statham. It is um, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's in it. Oh my God, I love Tom Hardy. And I only know about that movie because I was trying to watch every single movie that Uh Tom Hardy was in. And and that was one of them. That's the only reason I know what that movie is. I'm not joking. (laughs) Why were you trying to watch all of his movies? Because I was obsessed with him. Oh my God. I was obsessed with him. Did he you, was my favorite actor of all time. Tom Hardy is a great actor. He's in um, he's one of the best actors in Hollywood. Man. He is one of the tippy tippy top. I mean, if not one, he's number two for sure. Mm-hmm. Tom Hardy is one of those actors where he is so talented, it's so amazing, and yet so underrated. Like it's yes. it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. Yeah, I don't really get it. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's because, you know, I think obviously, you know, looks wise, he is, he has 
mass appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is very English and not English in the way that Americans are immediately welcoming. Yeah. Words. You know That's what I mean? True. Um, it's less Harry Styles. It's more like ruggish. Exactly. Rugged. Yeah. 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 It's more cockney-ish mm-hmm. <laughs> than like upper class. Yeah. yeah he fits exactly. right in on Peaky, Peaky Blinders. Peaky like, Blinders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very that. Very yes. that. And it doesn't like quite translate. You know, like that's their version of a bad boy. And over here, it's kind of like wonky. Uh We don't really know where to place him. Right. Um, But yeah, definitely, definitely overrated. I mean, like I've seen all of his made for TV movies, like all of them, just everything. But anyway, go ahead. Have you seen Venom? Yes, I have. (laughs) I haven't seen the second one yet, but... I haven't seen the second one on purpose. No, not on purpose. They said the second one is better. Did they? Yes. You know what? That's what my partner said. Uh Uh-huh. He was like, oh, the second one's better, you know, because I remember that day. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. I definitely have to watch it again. And Tom Hardy, gosh, I love him so much. He's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So your place or mine... Another reason why, like, I'm not going to watch Your Place or Mine, really, because I don't, like, Asha Kutcher, I was actually surprised when I saw him in this movie, because I really thought he was, like, done with acting. I thought he was, like, doing something else. Like, he's in crypto now. So I was kind of like... Yeah, not surprising. Like, Yeah. Like he's coming back. <laughs> Why are you acting again? What's going on? Yeah. You know, like I'm, I don't, I'm just kind of confused. Like, I'm not saying that like, Asha Kutcher. Did you a- not want him to come back? No, it wasn't that. <laughs> he's a good actor. He's a great actor. It's just, this kind of like, why? Yeah. yeah. I love you though. I don't know. Maybe he was playing, maybe he was um like, I don't know, taking some time away. Isn't he married? To Mila Kunis, but he's been taking a yeah, long, yeah. a lot of time away. Like a That's lot. True. He can though. Like he can take as long as he wants and then just come back whenever. Like That's he's true. that big of a star. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. How much job security some <laughs> of these people have. Yeah. It is crazy. Um, I think another thing that is coming out soon is gonna be Ant Man the Wasp, as many people know. Um, yeah. February 17th and then there's Cocaine Bear which I heard of that yeah I what I was, is that about it is about a bear that eats a pound of cocaine that's and then all that the events sounds, that ensue that sounds incredible it's are you serious yeah yeah a bear that eats a I feel like no, I couldn't have. I couldn't have seen a trailer like this because I would have remembered right. a cocaine bear. That sounds incredible. I, I want to. There's also a movie. Does it look for, like, incredible? It's um, I'm gonna be honest. There's another movie called Winnie the Pooh: Blood and Honey. So I feel like February. Oh, there are a lot of horror movies that are coming out that are kind of like, don't take us seriously, man. 
don't don't take us seriously you know what i mean like yeah we're gonna have some fun and i get that with like the room and also yeah there's been this there was an influx of terrible terrible movies that came out and i think 2020 and 2021 especially on netflix and of course with terrible movies comes the youtubers that review those terrible movies and then more promotion and then morbius being so terrible but people talking about so much it's just kind of like do we need to make good movies now or do we need to make movies that people will talk about tomorrow because right are we and maybe it's cheaper to do that yeah like are we in it for the art are we in it for the cash cash always yeah i'm here for the box <laughs> office success i don't want a golden statue on my mantle i want the fucking yeah. money like yeah exactly so i think that's why there are like two terrible movies coming out two terrible horror yeah. movies coming out at least and you know obviously there are a lot of other releases coming out in february as well one that i'm actually like I don't know if I'm interested about it, but I'm like surprised that's coming out is the um Magic Mike movie? Oh, it's uh Magic Mike Triple XL. <laughs> Why do I know yeah. that? Um so that's I haven't of... seen the second one. I haven't seen any of them. So Really? Yeah. There's oh, can you curse on him? Yeah, if you like. Yeah. There's a dick in one. <laughs> Yeah, it's the first one. That's the only reason why I saw it. I forgot who I watched it with. I forgot everything. Um, but you there's remember like, the little dick? I, it wasn't little. Oh, there was it. There was like it was more than a shadow too. It was like a fourth of it, maybe almost a fourth of it. Um, I don't exactly remember the premise either, but there were wow. some good-looking men in it, wow. and I I get you know the appeal, but I you know. I'm not going to pay another, I'm I'm just going to a movie like 15 bucks to see another, to see another fourth. I'm good. Yeah. Um, Movie tickets are very expensive nowadays. Yes, they are. And I said just 15, but I don't actually know. I haven't been to the movies since before the pandemic. I think 15 is a pretty good, you know, guess. Yeah. Yeah. I do know there's another movie coming out called knock at the cabin which i'm interested to see because it's an m night Shyamalan movie but at the same time i'm i'm gonna kind of reserve my thoughts for it because m night Shyamalan has become one of those directors where because of the success and the critical acclaim he received from his earlier films every other movie is expected to hold be held in that same regard and yeah. he's basically failed to do so. So I'm just going to kind of wait it out and see what this movie is really giving. Because I could say the same yeah. thing for like maybe like Steven Spielberg. Exception is The Fablemans because that's a really great movie. But a lot of yeah. his earlier movies are very well done. Like incredible works of art going to be regarded forever in the world of cinema. But movies yeah. after that were kind of like, hmm... So we're really like just writing what? on your name, huh? Like what? Ready Player One? Wasn't that one of his movies? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I didn't see I didn't see Ready Player One, but mm. I heard that it was very mediocre. But besides that, besides that, yeah. you're hard pressed to find 
a Steven Spielberg movie that is not, I mean, he, he set a, a very high bar for himself. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so if he doesn't meet that expectation, people are like, oh, it's not very good. When it's like, no, even his bad is pretty okay. Like even his mediocre movies are, are pretty good. Yeah. Like with like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. can you name more than two movies? I think that are like flops, mm-hmm. and I can't. I can't really think of them. If you um, can, I would also say West Side Story. Oh, I didn't see that either. Yeah. So look at me. Of course, all <laughs> his bad movies. I'm just. I'm happening not to see. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, he's directed a lot of movies. Like yes, a lot. Yes, of films. he has. So yeah, it's if he has a few of them that aren't a hundred percent great, it doesn't really matter. Like he's done the color purple, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan. Which I still resent. I still resent that as much as I love Steven Spielberg. I still resent the fact that he directed the color purple. Like what the hell? <laughs> oh my god! I I can't be thinking about it while I'm watching it. I can't because I'll see it. We can't go into it. <laughs> yeah. We can't go into it. I'll, I'll see it all through the movie. So I just have to not even think about it. I do want to say that Minority Report is probably one of the, it's probably one of Steven Spielberg's, one of Steven Spielberg's films that I've seen that it's not my favorite, but when it comes to Colin Farrell, I would say it's one of his better films. So I like it. Minority Report? Minority Report. Tom, Tom Hanks. No, Tom Cruise was in that. Tom Cruise. Yes. And Colin Farrell. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. He was the other guy. Yeah. He was the other, he was the other guy. (laughs) Yeah. He also won a Golden Globe recently for the Banshees. What's the movie called? The Banshees of Inishurin. Yes. Because he's very Irish. He's a part of it. He is very, very How do you Irish. The Banshees of... The Banshees of Inishirin. Okay. Is that a place in Ireland? Well, it's a movie. It's just a very Irish movie. It also starts... Oh, no. I mean, like, Inishirin. I thought I thought it was a place in Ireland. Like, what I don't is know. actually that? I oh, okay. I haven't seen the movie yet, so... I guess I'll let you know after I see it, but... I know that Barry Colgan... Is in the movie too? Who? Barry Cogan. Oh, I don't know. You know who Barry Go- Cogan is? No, I'm I sure wish it's... I had another phone <laughs> to look it up. I feel like if you saw his face, you would know who he is. Um, hold on, give me one second. Probably. He was in Dunkirk. He was in Mm-mm. The Killing of a Sacred Deer, also with um, Colin Farrell. He was in The Eternals. Mm. Uh-uh. You I'm not the... getting it. You didn't No. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Can I tell you that most of the time I live before 2004 in terms of what I'm watching and rewatching? Hold yeah. On. Let me just show you a picture of him on my phone because I feel like you've seen this guy before. You just don't mm-hmm. know his name. Like... He was, he's low-key one of those actors, again, like Tom Hardy, who is, like, kind of in everything, but still, like, low-key underrated. Mm-hmm. So let's see if I can get a picture of him. If you see some messages pop up, just ignore them. 
right. This is him. Barry Kogan. Oh, I've seen him before. Yeah. Yes. He's in the movie with Colin Farrell. Okay. Yeah, he looks familiar. And he's very Irish, right? He is very... <laughs> he is yeah. very Irish, yes. You can't hear me chew, can you? No, I don't think you... so. No. Okay, good. Good. All right. We've touched on the uh, new releases... So let's get into yes. the meat of the sub the podcast. Guys, Alrighty. today we're talking about old classic movies, namely classic black films. And the reason why we're talking about this is that this very much fits into um, Miss Teresa, aka Luscious Garbage's um, content and the things that she mainly covers on her TikTok page. And I wanted to get into it as well because a lot of the times when people are talking about classic directors and filmmakers, a lot of times people talk about Steven Spielberg, they talk about Martin Scorsese, and we oftentimes do not take the time to really think about and reflect on directors who are just not white. You know, directors who have made a name for themselves, who directed amazing films, and even though they haven't directed as many films as other directors that I have named, or the classic directors that people may know that are mainly white men, they are still extremely talented, and they have a lot to author offer through their filmography. So I want to take some time to talk about a few movies, or a director or two, who are Black, African American, making headways, very talented, and kind of going to their filmographies, going to their film process, and see what we find and see what we can learn from them. And, you know, um, Luscious, you can feel free to go first. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about a film director that you know and love, or some films you'd like to talk about. Well, um, I want to talk about Chameleon Street. You said you, that you have never seen it. I haven't right? seen it. I haven't seen it. Okay. So it's actually for people listening. I did do a video on it a while ago, but um, a friend recommended it to me. And it's about a, a guy named Wendell. Hold on one second. Let no, you got this. it. Uh, let me see. Um. Okay, his name is William Douglas, Douglas Street. I get that mixed up with Wendell Harris mm -hmm. because Wendell Harris is the director. But anyway, this guy is a lazy genius and he pretty much um, goes through a chunk of his life pretending to be um, a doctor, um, a student, um, a lawyer, Wow. And actually, this was based off of a true story that the director saw um, in a newspaper, mm -hmm. a black man who had conned all of these these white people, pretty much mm -hmm. these people who, you know, would never have let him into their space pretty much without a con. Right. right. And so it's a really interesting movie because um 
you can tell that, you know, that, that raw feeling that you get with indie movies, Mm -hmm. movies where the director is able to just put themselves in the film. Yeah. That's pretty much, yeah, that's pretty much the feeling that you get. Um, because it's very, very honest. And I think that that is one of the reasons why it didn't get the accolades that a white film would have gotten that was this high caliber, um, because it really tells the truth about white people. It tells the truth about the way that black people feel about white people, actually, which I think is (laughs) one of the biggest things. Like, I posted a clip of the movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw it, but um, he was talking to this white therapist and he was telling him that white people smell like wet dog, that black people think that, you know, white people smell like wet dog. And the first time you see it, like my mouth was hanging open, right? Because some things you just do not say. Right. Like, because we are not allowed to say them. We're not allowed to say them in public. And we're especially not allowed to make a movie right. and say them and make money off them. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so it was, it was really interesting. It felt very um, unmonitored, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it was uncapped, it felt, you would say. Right, exactly. Um, I didn't feel like, okay, this, was, this is his story, but... Um, it got, you know, the, the ends got shaved off. The, sh- the sides got shaved off. Like, the real meat was not there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was captivated with it. it was, it's, a, it's a really, really, like, must-see movie, and I feel like it's going to be really difficult to get it mm-hmm. in the near future. Okay, yeah. I, I think that a lot of times with films that are so well done when you like kind of read the reviews you can't really tell what people's thoughts are behind it or how people really truly feel about it so it's one of those movies where you have to go with an open mind and kind of really decide for yourself how you feel about that movie and i like that you say that basically he kind of so you're telling me he like he's basically like pretending about the movie like he's pretending to be other people is that what yeah it is? Oh. yeah he's um and i don't know if you saw because i didn't but i know the premise of it catch me if you can yeah that he was he was yeah it was pretty much like that he was oh. pretending to be all of these people he was falsifying documents he oh. was like you know conning these people okay interesting that actually mm-hmm. um i don't know if you know this book that reminds me of Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. Yeah. It reminds me of that movie because I um, I basically like learned about it in school where it was about this nameless narrator and he tells his life um, from the basement of a home. I don't remember exactly, but he's basically telling his life about who he wants to be and he describes like growing up in the black community, attending like a black college where he was expelled, and then just his whole kind of life and him trying to figure out who he is and 
how he feels in this strange world that doesn't see him as like a person and it's interesting i just kind of bring that up because the the move camille street kind of reminds me of that it basically reminds oh, me really? of how yeah how like um yeah. the narrator in um invisible man he like enrolled in this prestigious school and he got expelled from it because he didn't conform the right way towards white yeah. men and he leaves a job behind in new york city and there is so much to the book but the major theme of the book is that like expectation impedes your own identity as a person where people really need to read that book yeah it's a good book it's kind of like one of those classics like Uh, yeah it's a classic yeah (laughs) kind of like um their eyes are watching god or it's like uh beloved by um tony morrison i believe and then Bell Hooks' book, Love. I've seen a lot of people on TikTok yeah. talk about that book. But it's one of those uh, novels that you read. And it talks about how, like, um, he is a person. Like, in the book of Invisible Man, he is his own person. But he's trying to find yeah. his own identity. And yet he feels controlled by society. And yeah. how, like, he doesn't really feel like he has his own individual choice. And he doesn't know how to really be himself without society's influence in comparison to like your oh, that's interesting. Yeah. In comparison to Chameleon Street where he is, you know, this black man who is falsifying these documents and pretending to be other people and For his own I mean, I guess it's always for your own gain, mm-hmm. but I think that he is more of a callous narcissist. Oh. Um you know, which I, I've never read invisible man Mm -hmm. but from what you're saying like he is not like that at all like he needs he wants a personal fulfillment and i think that um the character in chameleon street is just a narcissist honestly Mm -hmm. which is also refreshing it's also (laughs) refreshing it is it's it's refreshing to get a black character that is not sentimental Mm -hmm. you know um yeah it's it's I kind of liked the fact that, you know, they didn't show anything deeper in him. He was just a narcissist. And the movie is it's, you know, a dark comedy. But also, I mean, it's just it's kind of a, a character study on him. Yeah. And, um, you know, I watch a lot of black movies that have some sort of um, some sort of message that makes us that showcases our sadness. I will yeah. say that, yeah. like our our deep depression and sadness in this anti-black world, which is fine. But it's like sometimes what seeing me, what seeing black people portrayed as three-dimensional people looks like is portraying them as assholes sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so it was, you know, it was really refreshing in that way. It was just funny. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. A lot of um, black films are, um, they rely a lot in like trauma. And there was a strange influx of those kind of films and movies and TV shows where if there was like a black actor or lead or more than two black people in the cast, you could 
you can like count you can like bet a hundred dollars that at some point you're gonna see like police brutality and (laughs) it was it was kind of like why like we know why we know but like we don't have to see this in everything you know know. there was this show that um was called see you yesterday about Mm -hmm. this young girl who tries several times to stop her brother for being killed from the police and it's an interesting several times like she like every time she watches her brother get shot by a police officer she wakes up and it's the next day it's basically a groundhog groundhog day situation with police no, brutality. It's not. Yes, it is. And it's on Netflix. It was wow. created by Spike Lee's prodigy, is how he yeah. has described himself, which uh-huh. makes sense. <laughs> and I'm also gonna talk about Spike Lee in a minute, but um, yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. A lot of black films just too. dealing in black trauma, mm-hmm. like we can do commodifying else. it really. Yeah. We could talk about you know. anything else, please. Yeah, really. Like, I understand why. I understand why. But we can move, not move on, but like, there are so many other things to cover. I want, yeah, I, yeah, there's so many other things to talk about. Like, sometimes I just go to the store. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm just watching a movie. Sometimes I'm uh, with my partner. Sometimes I'm talking to my mom. Like, it's not, I'm not 24-7, like, mm. oh, what about the police? Like, sometimes I'm just shooting the shit with my friend, you know? And I think we need movies. More movies <laughs> like that. that. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes we just want to have fun, you know? Exactly. Sometimes we just want to have fun. And I remember something you said earlier about Chameleon Street, about how, like, a lot of critics didn't like the movie mainly be- maybe because they didn't really understand it or maybe yeah. they don't have the perspective to see, you know, the meaning behind the film. And I remembered another film that I'd seen. It was directed by Stephen McQueen or Steve McQueen, I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's Steve McQueen. Uh, a lot of people know him notably for 12 Years a Slave. Um, yeah. The most recent movie he did was Widows, starring Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Colin Farrell, Brian Tyree Henry, Daniel Kaluuya, to name a few amazing actors. Also Cynthia Enrivo, who is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, one movie that he did direct is called Shame, and it's basically this film about a man who is a sex addict, and yeah. he has to like kind of change his lifestyle around because his sister is living with him for a while, and. It's an interesting film because I think it's one of his, um, it's one of the films he's directed with mainly white people in it, and yeah. it stars Michael Fassbender, who's I don't know if he's I like, saw the first like twenty five or thirty minutes of it, mm-hmm. and I think Carrie Mulligan is also in it as well. Yeah, as a sister. Yeah, and the movie is really really good because one thing is that. A lot of critics didn't like the film, like they didn't understand it or they didn't like get it. And it's like, yeah, well, you're all men. So you're kind of getting called out in this film. Like he's kind of like, he's kind of making you eat your own shit when you're watching this movie. So like you not liking it is kind of the point of the movie. And I do prefer indie films and movies where you watch them and I don't need the general public to like it. I don't need yeah. the general consensus to be like, this is amazing. This is phenomenal. Yeah. Because a lot of times they're wrong. 
And, you know, yeah. I'd rather just go in to a movie and see if I like it for myself, see what I think, see what conclu- conclusion I come to in the end. And exactly. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's rare. Way. Yeah. It's rare that a movie that I recommend on the page get, gets like higher than a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like mm-hmm. a lot of them are very low. Like some yeah. of them are surprisingly low. Mm-hmm. And like, that's kind of, you know, I'm torn because mm-hmm. yes, on one hand, that is sort of ruining the the movie going experience, right? Because we don't give movies a chance anymore. Like once mm-hmm. it comes out and it has a low Rotten Tomatoes score, it's like, well, why would I take a chance you know, going to see this movie when I can go for a sure thing, you know, yeah. something that has like a 90% or whatever. But at the same time, Rotten Tomatoes, I think, has had a hand in possibly forcing studios to put more effort into their movies because they know that aggregate systems like that are very popular nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes they won't even, um, I don't know, I forgot what they do to like hide their their premieres from critics or something like that. But a few movies have done that so that they don't get a Rotten Tomatoes score before a bunch of people go see it. So I don't know. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, yeah, I don't go. I don't go by the score. Yeah, I think for Rotten Tomatoes, my general opinion is that I don't look at the Rotten Tomatoes score because I yeah. know plenty of movies that I love dearly that are reviewed badly at Rotten Tomatoes, and yeah. I really don't care for the most part because most of the people who review movies on Rotten Tomatoes are white men, and. One thing about Rotten Tomatoes is that you gave um, the movie Green Book a 95%. I know, I know. That movie is awful. First of all, it doesn't even cover what the frick that movie is supposed to be about. Green Book is supposed to be at the book, the book that Black people, or at least freed slaves, look to to find hotels that they could stay right. at. During... So they didn't mention it in the movie? They didn't mention it at all! It's Driving Miss oh. Daisy. That's it. Wow. That's all it is. Mahershala Ali is a black man who supposedly has never eaten fried chicken before, which I refuse to believe because it was a staple in black people's diet during that time. So you're lying to me twice. Yeah. And then the white man introduces himself to like, introduces Mahershala to fried chicken. They become friends. Blah, 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 whatever. Like, this is a poor italian white man and this rich black piano player who's talented and has so much going for his life and how they drive down the road and like like... i feel like that's the last of that type of movie that can be made for the next few years i feel like they're it's like it's a joke now Mm. and i don't think they're gonna try that for a little while because it was like the very last one I can't think of another movie that has been so, um, I don't know, tone deaf. Hmm. I truly. In in that way. Yeah. A lot of the movies that come out that are like 
um, here are two people who are so different and yet they just somehow become, mm-hmm. they just make it like it's the, it's the um, both sides trying to come together in the middle to be like, we may have different opinions, but we're friends like um, RBJ, yeah. RBG and like Scalia had their friends for a long time. And there was one other movie that came out after um, Green Book. It was called The Best of Enemies. And it was based mm-hmm. off of an actual like novel by a real person. So it's based in reality. But uh, it's the unlikely story about how Anne Atwater, who was an outspoken, who was an outspoken civil rights activist, and C.P. Ellis, who was a local KKK leader, became friends and came together over segregation. And even though that's something that's real and did happen, mm-hmm. why, why, why are you showcasing? Why, why are you showcasing that story? Tell me why we're watching this movie. Yeah. Hello. Hi. I love Taraji P. Henson and I love Sam Rockwell. I do. He is amazing in his press interviews. Like all his interviews he does, he is charismatic and he is funny and he is interesting and he's a great storyteller and he is a phenomenal actor. But oh my gosh, the way I looked at this trailer and I was like, this is not the way to win an Oscar. (laughs) Golden Globe, SAG, this is not the way. This is not the way, Sam. What are we doing? Please. You know, and like, I just want to explain it to people who don't understand, like, why I don't like these kinds of movies. And it's simply because, just because these two people of opposing views have found some common middle ground to come together in harmony does not mean that we all have to. And I know that, like, a lot of people have their own opinions and you feel like the world's very polarizing, but there is a reason why there are not always both sides. There's like you can't always look at both sides. Yeah, there's there's story. not two two sides to a story. It's it's one group oppressing another. Yeah, that's it. It's not like let's come together. It's you get off of me. It's, that's that's what it is. It's, <laughs> it's not let's come to the table and find a solution. It's stop burning crosses in my lawn. Your yeah, ideology exactly. is that I am not worthy of being a person because my skin does not look like yours. Yeah. Pretty much. You're walking around so, in white hoods and you want to be friends. It's it's not possible. It's not possible. It's not no. possible. <laughs> it's in fact impossible. Please. Yeah. Please. Leave yeah. us alone. Hey. <laughs> you know? You know, and that's like a huge fallacy. That's what a lot of white people say. Or, or that's what a lot of white people believe. Like, if, if we want to get rid of racism, all we have to do is get to know each other. All I have to do is like personally like a black person, personally enjoy a black person's company, and then I'm not racist anymore. You know, it's like it don't really work like that. No, it really doesn't. It doesn't. No one is that it's, removed from another race. It's America. It, it's. I guess I'm trying to understand you. You really have to be so far gone that you believe that an entire oppressed group would simply benefit just from you being friends with them. And that's it. And that, that will end racism itself. No, no. 
evil are you? If before you wanted to kill black people, but then you met a black person you liked and you were like, oh, never mind. They should live. Actually, what I was doing was wrong. Like, are you crazy? Like, how crazy? Like, people did not understand that, like, Ruby Bridges is a woman who lives in Brooklyn and is a reasonable age, I think like 60, maybe around that age. And if you don't know who Ruby Bridges is, I want you to imagine in your mind a whole group of angry white people yelling at one little black girl with pigtails and a beautiful white dress. That is Ruby Bridges. Back when she was one of the first black children to walk into a all-white school in Little Rock, Arkansas. She is still alive today, which means a lot of those people that yelled at her, spat at her, yelled racial slurs at her are also still alive today. And I want you to really look within yourself and use your brain and think, think for one second, do you really think those people change over time? Like they learn different things. Do you feel like they really like, they met a black person, they're like, you know what Tyrone, you're all right with me. Dap me up brother. Like also, also there was, um, Someone who recently read a page from Tina Turner's book, I believe, in her docu- in her like memoir, and she had said that her grandmother, in the summer, would have to help the par- adults pick cotton. And you have to think about like, how old is Tina Turner's grandmother? And then you really like put in the years, and you realize like, yeah, slavery, slavery or any kind of iteration or type of slavery within the U.S. was not that long ago. Right. So, like, think about your own grandparents. Think about how old Tina Turner is. And think about the grandparents that she had. Like, guys, it's right there. You know? It just changes form. You know? It is so fitting that we're talking about racism when I'm about to talk about Spike Lee. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fitting. Do the right thing. Yeah. So I wanted to quickly touch on two of Spike Lee's films that I do love. And I think there are two of his earlier films. It's She's Gotta Have It and Do the Right Thing. I know that School Days was the film that he made after She's Gotta Have It. I'm ha- going to be honest, I haven't watched School Days um, it's been on my it's rough. Okay. It's rough. Yeah. No, maybe not more it's, rough than do the right thing. It's interesting, but it's rough. Okay. I mean, I watched do the right thing when I was like way too young to really understand what happened in that movie or what was going on. And I think as I got older, it contextualized for me. So I do appreciate like the young little film nerd in me taking that mm-hmm. leap and being like let me get into spike lee and then like that kind of like solidifying how i see the world like solidifying how i see the world you know and that's why i have a really deep appreciation for black filmmakers because the way that we move about the world and the way that we see certain things in our perspective it's influenced by the way that people treat us and also our history and you know of course not all black people are the same we're not a monolith but a lot of the times our views and perspectives do coincide with one another because we all at one point have to deal with somebody following us in a grocery store. We have to deal with someone acting like 
we're not as smart as we say we are or somebody doubting us or people looking down on us and even though there are some black people that don't want to admit that it may be because of the color of their skin oftentimes it is even if someone doesn't say it outright and you may not want to think it because you don't want to be that person listen it might be it might be and with spike lee joints um I will say, as much as I do love Spike Lee as a filmmaker, a lot of his movies are heavy-handed at times. Very. Know? Yes. And yeah. I did, I do, like, appreciate Do the Right Thing and She's Gotta Have It because I feel like those are his two films where it was early on in his career and I feel like those films are very, um, there's, like, a rawness to it. You know, he was very new yeah. in directing and you can see that in the movie, but it doesn't take away from it. It doesn't mean that it's bad. I feel like that makes it even better. The fact that like She's Gotta Have It was his first movie and yeah. it's very well done. I did like it. Of course, I have some problems with the movie, of course, but you yeah. know, it was great. And Do the Right Thing is highly regarded as one of the like best films ever made and it should mm-hmm. be because of the cinematography of the film with the story of the movie, with how the um, tension in the film builds up over time and you can see it slowly coming and rising and how Do the Right Thing is honestly one of my favorite movies, mainly because a lot of films that come out that are directed by um, Black people and that have a mainly Black cast, I find them to be very polished. Yeah. And kind of like fake like yeah. i watched them and i'm like okay i feel like you just graduated with a sociology degree and the script is telling me this as well this doesn't feel like i'm watching other people interact in their lives or i'm stepping into like someone else's yeah world. it feels like a yeah it feels like a um a sermon or something like, like someone is trying to teach you something yeah and yeah you know, a lot. There are some Spike Lee films that do feel like that. Like there's some kind of sermon or some kind of lesson or moral at the end Hot of the them. story. <laughs> yeah, and um, I'm very glad that "Do the Right Thing" is a movie I watched when I was really young, because it did give me high expectations for films moving forward. But I feel like that's a good yeah. thing to have when you see movies. And when I talk about film, like when I talk about films or tv shows that are directed by black people and written by black people that kind of feel a little polished and a little fake i am talking about dear white people because uh, yeah <laughs> that movie was absolutely horrible uh, I, it was awful i really tr- i when i watched dear white people i was very young so it was my first introduction to like conscious movies yeah and like woke films i guess like me watching dear white people and then me becoming a j cole fan really does like (laughs) give you some perspective so and then watching the show i was kind of like this isn't the movie it was so bad yeah yeah and it's also one of those things where i saw ron tomatoes give it like a 95 percent, and i was like okay i'm like okay because that's when 
um, Black Lives Matter was like really taking on, you know, it was kind of at its height and white people were scrambling. Mm -hmm. They were scrambling mm -hmm. to like roll out the red carpet for whatever black person, whatever black concept. They were like, yes, I agree. This movie is everything. Like your poetry is incredible. This and that. Mm -hmm. Like it, it was, it was a lot. Like I really had white people just smile at me on the street. Mm -hmm. Like it, it was, it was a lot. And so you, you really could not um, trust mm -hmm. their assessment of like any black media because all of them were just getting nineties and nineties. And I do want to say like all the actors in Dear White People are incredibly talented, but the show just didn't feel. It, like it's very well written of course but it didn't feel like it served the audience that it was meant to serve you know and i felt the yeah. same way with the show woke on um hulu which started... oh what time is it oh he just texted me done oh no oh god i'm sorry <laughs> i'm so sorry we have to pick up my um my son uh -huh. so i'm like I'm very on it. He just texted me, but we still have time. Go ahead. Okay. All right. And um, yeah, Woke on Hulu. Um, that was a show starring Lamorne Morris. And mm -hmm. I really was trying to give that show a chance, but it was a lot like Dear White People. And the thing is, that show also came out in 2020. So it's like, you missed the trend. <laughs> like, yeah. You hopped the train a little late. Like, ew, I don't know about this, but... um. Yeah, with Spike Lee, <clears throat> Do the Right Thing is a phenomenal film, mainly because it takes place on the hottest day in Brooklyn. And yeah. I like the movie because it's very genuine. It shows the intergenerational, multicultural community in Brooklyn. And I like that Spike Lee, um, a lot of his films take place in Brooklyn. You know, he's paying homage to his borough, which is wonderful. And... It's a great movie. It shows, you know, the different characters that are there. Um, the climax of the film with what happens to Rahim, I think that's his name. I may, I don't, I didn't write down the name, which was bad. But <clears throat> basically in the climax of the film, when he loses his best friend, it's based off of a real story from 1986 of Michael Griffith. So he's really trying to convey every single part of the borough that he's from in an authentic way. And I appreciate yeah. that about Spike Lee. Um, <clears throat> there are so many great things about Do the Right Thing because the cinematography is great. They put heat lamps over the cameras to really emphasize how hot it is. Everyone's sweating. Yeah. Their clothes are sticking to their bodies. It's all warm colors within the community. And you watch the film and you see how the tension and how hot it is that day just shows that tempers are on a hair trigger and how you really don't know which interaction someone is having is going to lead to, you know, a fight or lead to something worse. And I don't know how I feel about Rosie Perez dancing for like five minutes at the beginning of the movie because i remember watching she that... was very taken advantage of in that movie rosie very Perez. much so mm -hmm. yeah she's talked about it like feeling violated 
Oh. And I, you know, I didn't know, of course, at the time when I saw it, because I saw it like 10 years ago when I was in grad school. Mm-hmm. But the opening scene with um, with him, what is Spike Lee's character's name Ozzie? in this movie again? I, think... I, I don't even remember. But he's, he's putting ice oh, on her nipples. Mookie. And there's like, a, right, Mookie. He's putting ice on her nipples and it's like super close up. I did not, you know, I had no idea how she felt about it, but it felt violating when I was yeah. looking at it. Um, yeah. Yeah. The movie, the I, I understand why it is in, you know, why, why it's a classic, of course. Uh, it's a technical feat mm-hmm. and it's very artistic, yeah. but... Um, First of all, I'm not really a fan of Spike Lee unless he's in his element. He's he's really good when he is in Brooklyn, like when like in Do the Right Thing and like in Crooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, except I really love Crooklyn's story, but um, I don't know. Do the Right Thing was fine. It was it was you know, and it I might be suffering from like. Um, seeing a movie that was so influential uh, years and years and years after it was in- influential. Yeah. And so you see so many, you have seen so many movies since then that have directly copied it. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's not that initial, oh my gosh, you know, thing that happened when, when it first came out, of course. Um, but like even the politics were a little bit off for me. Um, yeah, I'm not really a fan of white people saying the N-word, I'm gonna be honest. Like... Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't really that. It's... Which is, is funny, because um, he kind of has the beef with Quentin Tarantino. Because yeah. he puts the <laughs> N-word in his movie. Yeah. I they're think, they're interesting. I think that um, I complete, completely agree with you. Um in regards to his treatment with women in his films, that's why I want to talk about She's Gotta Have It, because yeah. Nola Darling is a lot like Spike Lee, where he is a free-spirited artist, so he kind of sees himself in Nola. I liked She's Gotta Have It. It was definitely different from other movies I've seen and other films I've watched about romance, and I love Nola and her story. I don't like how the men in her life did not see and understand that she is openly polyamorous and her wanting to be with them and her openly expressing her interest in all three of them is her you know just being like hey i'm dating all three of you i want you to know like you know trying to make it plain because men will have two different families and nobody will know until the guy dies you know, yeah. and it's worse with Jamie, who's supposedly the nice guy, the good guy, who I love that Spike Lee did this. He shows a scene where Jamie goes up to Nola and he's like, I was scared I was never going to see you again. Can I take you out or something like that? And then right after that scene, we see Nola leave her apartment and Jamie just follows her. Like he's just following yeah. her in the street. So it gives you context to that. Even though Jamie loves Nola, he sees her as a possession. He sees her as a plaything. And Jamie says in the beginning of the film, everyone has one soulmate. Everyone should be with one person, which 
is then solidified in how yeah. he violates her in the film. And then yeah. they don't work out, which they weren't going to in the beginning because like, she's not a monogamous person. But, and also he's homophobic too. Like he's rude to her friend Opal, who is so gorgeous in the movie and in the show. But... <clears throat> Did you like the show, by the way? I tried... I love. I saw one episode, so I'm I'm not qualified. Oh, I see. Though I saw the first season. Like I truly did give it my best, and I love Dewanda Wise so much. I do, but the show has Nola Darling and has the same men and the same names. Um, you know, I feel like it kind of tried to capture the same spirit of the movie, but there's a scene where she's frolicking in a graveyard of like black greats who have died. So it's like, girl, why, what are we doing? And also she has a friend that gets a BBL that explodes on stage. So it's like, why did that happen? Yes. Spike Lee just like, it's like- Are I you see serious? The, I'm serious. And Fat Joe is in the show. Like Fat Joe, I'm all the way up, is in the show. Yesterday's price is not today's price, is in the show. That's interesting that he had a BBL blow up on stage. I think, I don't know if it shows on the show because I covered my eyes because I was like, oh, I know where this is going and I'm not witnessing this. But it's very much like he tries to make a commentary. He tries to make a point on some things and it's like, you don't have the knowledge and the know-how to make this point, sir. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember the nipples thing from Do the Right Thing. And I feel like I would It's in the beginning. Okay. I feel like I would have remembered that. I don't know. She talks about it. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know why I didn't know that. Because, like, Do the Right Thing is one of my favorite movies. I do agree with you when you say, like, really? it's pretty average. <clears throat> because I saw it when I was very young. So I Oh, didn't... I'm not saying it's average. I don't like <laughs> that soundbite. Teresa is not saying that Do the Right Thing is average. <laughs> Absolutely not. I do recognize it. As a technical triumph, I absolutely do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just, you know, by the time I saw it, it was kind of like, you know, it's it's like introducing the Matrix to a Gen Zer right now. Yeah, you're a, are you a Gen Zer? Yes. Have you seen the first Matrix? I have. Yeah, I feel like you know, if if you were to see it today, um, it would be like, oh, okay, this is cool. But everyone has copied it. Everyone has copied the Matrix. It's just like, it's cliche at this point for someone with with special powers to evade a bullet in slow motion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but when we saw it, it was like, wow, you know, yeah. this is the greatest thing of all time. So um, It's like Star Wars. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. I just, I can't. So, you know, it, it suffers from whatever that phenomenon is for me. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and the fact that Spike Lee is, oh God, I have trouble with him. I do love Spike Lee as a director, but you know, it's um, it's very clear where he rises and where he falls. Like Black Klansman was a really good film that he directed recently that I did enjoy. Um, you know, we can all have our criticisms about the film Black Klansman and like, I can't think of mine right now, but I feel like that's one of the films where like, it's something different, but it's still in its element and it still kind of works like it fits, 
You know what I mean? I hated that movie. Oh, I you really hated did. it? I hated it. I saw it with my mom. What time is it? Jesus. Okay. Well, I, I have to say this. I saw it with my mom uh-huh. and we were just like, and we would just turn to look at each other like every 10 minutes. Uh-huh. It was so heavy handed. Mm-hmm. It was so, um, in my opinion, poorly acted. Oh. Um, it was just Oh, you don't like bizarre. John David Washington? It, it was bizarre. No, I think it, it was terrible. I think it was terrible. Embarrassingly so. I'm sorry. I know. You're going to say that about Denzel Washington's I, I, son? I, I have to say that, like, that somebody else was sitting next to me so I don't seem crazy because I know that everybody loves this movie. Okay? I didn't say I love um, the movie. I said <laughs> it's a good movie. Girl, I can't. I cannot do it. It was so bizarrely bad to me that like I, t- I talked to my mom about it. We walked around the theater talking about it for half an hour. It was insane. Spike Lee is a pretty good director. I mean, I at least, you know, he is one of the most well-known and iconic directors and also namely one of the only black directors that people can name. So he kind of stands out in that regard. But one thing about Spike Lee's films is that they do have something to say and he is genuinely wholeheartedly uh, invested in what his films have to say. And as much as I love Spike Lee, there are some things that I don't like about his films, maybe like the treatment of women in his films or how they are structured, how sometimes they're written, how sometimes the message is a little heavy handed, like other people have said. And also... yeah. I think one thing that people don't know about Spike Lee is that, like, he apparently had a deal with, like, the NYPD at one point. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, he... For for the Klansman movie? No. Not for the Klansman movie. He was paid um, $200,000 for consulting on an ad campaign for the NYPD. Really? and he's like one of the people who have been most outspoken about the New York Police Department, of course. Yeah. But he was yeah. paid a lot of money to help. Um, uh, he was approached by their foundation and consulted several creative teams. Um, no, I think it's the other way around. Basically, um, what was it? Frick, sorry. That's okay. No. The I NY- mean... It was basically reported on NYPD's taxes. There were several creative and consulting groups I reached out to in regards to ad campaigns to help the NYPD's image, and Spike Lee's agency was one of those. That's. I mean, I would not. I would not be surprised. That does not surprise me at all. Hmm. Like at all. Why would you say that? (laughs) Um. He seems like. Yes, he has his political beliefs, but. I've met people like him before, namely men, um, who tend to be very narcissistic. Hmm. Um, And more than their personal beliefs, they feel like they were cheated in life because um, they should be, they should have more influence than they actually have. So when they have an opportunity to get that influence, they jump at the chance and principles really fall by the wayside. 
Yeah. I, I can, I mean, I can even see that in, in his movies. His mm-hmm. politics are sometimes all over the place. And it seems like um, sometimes he is, it's it's like what comes through is the butt hurtness, not the, you know, let's, let's, um, what am I trying to say? Not unionize. Let's, what, I had a brain fart. Let's gather together. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's, it's less, um, you know, everybody should be on the same page so that we can get to the revolution and more like I'm upset <laughs> about something in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm just not surprised. I have to say there is one movie that came out, I think 2018 or 2019 that is very similar to your thoughts on Spike Lee, him being a narcissist. And that was sorry to bother you directed by boots Riley and mm-hmm. I remember watching the movie and I really did like that movie. A lot of, I found out like a few years later that a lot of people thought the movie was terrible and I did not know that. <laughs> what I did know is that I didn't like Tessa Thompson's, I liked Tessa Thompson's character. I just didn't like how they did her character in the film because yeah. she's very much this outspoken, um, you know, very pro-black activist and she kind of jobs around from jumps around from job to job in the same way that Cassius Green does as well. And at one point she breaks up with Cassius because she feels like he has become too politically aligned with the people that she is against. So she starts dating Steve Yun, who is so gorgeous. And, you know, good for you, girl. You should be with Steve Yun. But by the end of the movie, they get back together, which I don't understand why, because... It doesn't really make sense. Like Steve Young in his character and Tessa Thompson's character in the film seem more politically and romantically aligned together. And it just kind of felt like she was dating Cassius Green because he was just kind of like there and they've been yeah. together for a while. So I was just like, I can't really dump him because I'm comfortable in this relationship and this situation. Yeah. Like you want to be back together with him now that he wants to like burn down this company now that he's gotten a little bit too deep into it. Like, Mm, I don't know about that and Boots Riley a lot of black women like had very fair critiques on sorry to bother you on Twitter and he just started like arguing with people online it's like sir maybe just read the article and just see what they have to say because like you know yeah I mean the thing is um anti-blackness challenges a black man's manhood, right? Of course it does, because we're not people. Um, And their manhood is something that they hold on to very, very tightly Mm -hmm. because it's all they have, even though they really don't have it. Um, And so, yeah, I I find that they make those those artistic choices a lot, Mm -hmm. Uh, the women in their movies even if it's a political movie about how we should um you know be all black people should be aligned and we should be equal and all that kind of stuff women are just kind of used to validate them um and i think that's how tessa thompson was used she's kind of this she's still black Mm -hmm. but um she's light-skinned, which is shorthand for beautiful. So she's this light-skinned, like alternative, you know, quirky, artsy girl. Mm -hmm. He can't just let her go 
to some other, you know what I mean? He has to have her at the end. He has to possess her. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just like not impressed ever with with these with the movies that these men make. Most of the time, it just comes down to them validating their own manhood that society won't let them have, but is like the most important thing to them ever. So, you know, I think that that, that is what plagues Spike Lee as well and a lot of other black filmmakers, black male filmmakers. You are right, and this just reminds me of She's Gotta Have It, and how I really did like that movie, and I loved the way that he shot the film, obviously the um, influences from the new French wave, and how She's Gotta Have It being his first film that he made out of film school, it was like four years after he left film school, he made She's Gotta Have It. It is very well done and it's very it's, it's very impressive and it's a film mm-hmm. that hasn't been made before especially for a black woman and tracy chapman is wonderful in this movie as nola darling but even though spike lee sees himself in nola darling as someone who is a free wait her name's tracy chapman yeah that's the actress's name i'm pretty sure the actress's name is tracy chapman tracy chapman is a singer Hold, wait. Hold on. Oh my God. And I know I remember this. Or I'm crazy. Oh, it's Tracy Jones. Not Tracy there we Chapman. go. I was like, wait. Tracy Jones. Because I know my Tracy Chapman. Oh okay, Tracy Jones. <laughs> wow. How did I not? I messed that up. My bad. But... Girl, it's fine. <laughs> the only reason I know is because I'm a millennial and I remember Tracy Chapman. Right. Or else I would, ha- I would have no idea. Right. <laughs> I'm glad that you caught that, though, because I would have kept calling her Tracy Chapman. But (laughs) Tracy Jones, she plays Nola Darling so well. And it's very clear that even though Spike Lee sees himself in Nola, he still sees something wrong with the way she lives her life. Because if he didn't see anything wrong with it, then she wouldn't have been violated in the movie. That wouldn't have happened. That wouldn't have need to happen. What happened to her? I saw like maybe 30 minutes of it years ago. So Nola has these three suitors or these three men that she's dating. Mars mm-hmm. Blackman, Jamie, and then there's Greer. And Jamie is this guy. He's the supposedly nice guy who I told you about earlier who like talked to her and was like, I had to see you again. But then the next scene, we see that he was basically waiting outside of her apartment and stalked her. And then asked her how. Mm-hmm. Mars Blackman is played by Spike Lee, younger Spike Lee, who is goofy. He's kind of a little bit immature, but he's fun. Yeah. And she does hang out with him. And then Greer is very self-obsessed and self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. But he does like very sweet things and very thoughtful gestures for her. Like there's one scene in color where he has two dancers do a performance for her for her birthday as like this very extravagant extravagant birthday gift so she has these three men that she's dating and they all know about each other and Greer and Mars at one point um talk about the parts of Nola that they like and don't like at the film and essentially the movie is like the tv show where Nola's an artist she's a free spirit she's dating these guys they know about her but at the same time they want Nola for um themselves and Jamie um 
meets Nola's friend Opal at one point, and Opal is obviously like the lesbian in the show, in the movie, and the show, and it's clear that he doesn't like Opal. So, um, at one point in the movie, Jamie basically just like has her way with her unconsensually, non-consensually. Has has his way with Opal. Nola. Nola. In in what way? It's non-consensual. Oh, he like straight up. Yeah. Yeah, it's like and like she's saying no and stuff. Like, is that sort of our word, or is it like a it's, a, a date R word thing, I'm or gonna, is it like? I'm gonna be honest. When I first watched the movie, I skipped over that scene because I knew what was happening. I was just like, I'm over. It. I'm leaving. And the thing, I wonder why that has to happen. That's interesting. Um, the because... thing is, is that like after that scene, she kind of commits to Jamie, and they start dating, and then they break up because she was cheating on him in the relationship so it was kind of like hmm that is messy okay so he wanted to punish her for being a free spirit basically and that Um, happened in tyler perry's temptation too you probably never seen that movie (laughs) tyler perry's temptation oh did yeah i don't even (laughs) i think i saw like two tyler perry movies and that was with my family Mm -hmm. Like, I know that it happens in Girl 6, which is another Spike Lee movie. Have you seen it? I haven't seen Girl 6. Girl, I love that movie, but um, he punishes her for uh, being a sex worker because it's it's about this woman who does phone sex in the 90s, right? So phone sex in the 90s was like really actually it looked kind of fun because you have an actual office building to go to Mm -hmm. and like you're in your little booth and you do it. But, um, yeah, she's, like, making money, but she gets, like, deeper and deeper into it. And then she gets a stalker, right? This white man who starts stalking her, um, calling her phone, saying violent things to her. He's going to kill her, blah, blah, blah. And it's not just that, but, like, we see her mental decline. Like, there's a whole section of the movie where it's just her being... um, abused by this guy wait and... i think that was like the first video of yours i saw when you're talking oh, really? about this yeah it yeah, was yeah. so even though he's he you know has like a fondness for these women i guess um he also wants to punish them mm-hmm. for not being able to be possessed by one man mm-hmm. and her like i don't i don't know if i want to say like this is her best friend but her little confidant in the movie is Spike Lee, is played by Spike Lee. So, you know, I don't know what kind of issue he has. Probably an issue of rejection by a woman who didn't want to be tied down. <laughs> it's, I don't know why. It seems like that's a recurring theme in his films. Like, the women that he puts in his films are, like, strong, independent, have their own sound mind, and are individual people, and yet they are punished for being that way? Because he wants to have them, that's why. Like, you can be free-spirited, you can be sexual, you can be intelligent and artistic and all of that, but I want you. You're not just allowed to be dating whoever you want or giving it to whoever right Mm -hmm. like i have to be able to nail you down yeah or yeah yeah, you're gonna get punished (laughs) 
I think Spike Lee is a big baby, to be honest. Hmm. Um, and it's so like, it's, and you know, it's not that I don't see the artistic merit in his movies. I absolutely right. do. I think that his two best movies were probably um, Brooklyn and Malcolm X. I enjoy those very, very much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Malcolm X, both of the movies deserve more accolades than they actually got, even though Malcolm X is definitely recognized by critics as like a, a feat of artistry. I think it needs more awards than it actually got. Um, but I do. I, I think that I don't think that he has evolved much since the 80s. I just don't. I don't think that he has uh, really evolved past his um, needing to possess women. I don't think that he has evolved past um, him needing to react to every slight. And you can even see it in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's just, he's not my favorite. He's hes not. He has a couple in there that are like gems for real. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, it's really not that consistent. And the ones that are bad are like, unwatchable in my in my opinion yeah i do agree with you in terms of artistic merit because because spike lee is one of the only well-regarded black directors one of the only black directors that people can really name i do find myself being a bit more i don't know if it's like possessive or guarded but whenever i hear someone who is not black criticize Spike Lee's films I'm like what do you mean by that what do you, what do you mean right by that? oh no 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 yeah. I don't participate in those discussions yeah I don't participate in those no I'm yeah. talking to you right now <laughs> like I yeah no I don't participate in those discussions at all I don't yeah. um you know I don't even like talking about like discussing black films with white people to mm-hmm. be honest um unless they're just praising it <laughs> like, yeah we got to keep um, it short and sweet you know. Yeah, let's keep it short and sweet. Let's mm-hmm. keep it cute. Um, yeah, I, no, I, I definitely get that. There's protectiveness over any Black mm-hmm. artist. Right. Yeah. And I do see that... I see that a lot of times with other filmmakers when they get comfortable making a certain kind of film and reoccurring themes are in those same films, they don't really devoid or any really stray from what they're used to. And it happens more namely with studios because studios are known to stifle creativity um, within filmmakers and within artists. But a lot of times, you know, people get into like a certain kind of rhythm or they follow a certain pattern in their movies. And they just stick to it. Like with Tyler Perry, you know, he writes everything, he produces and directs everything he has. And even though he's a billionaire, that's mainly because he keeps all his resources to himself. And just because he writes and directs everything doesn't mean everything is he makes is good. And it's very hard to find something that he makes that is actually good. It's something that people can enjoy. And that's why I brought up the Tyler Perry film Temptation because that movie was about a woman who was married to a man who is like a good man, you could say. But he was really just boring. Like he was a pharmacist and he didn't like romance her or woo her i think in the movie he forgot her birthday or something like that i'm gonna be honest and say like i haven't actually watched the movie i only have had friends that have watched the movie and told me about it so i only know it through their eyes but essentially what happens is that she has this boss 
he's rich. They start kicking it. She leaves her husband. She starts being wild and crazy with the boss. And then she gets AIDS. And then the husband... And and what? AIDS. She gets... X? No, she gets HIV. Yes! Yes! And then... Damn! Yes! And then her husband... Another one. Another punishment. Yes! (laughs) And then her husband goes off and gets married and has a baby and she's stuck with this incurable disease as some kind of, like, punishment for her not sticking with her boring husband who was a good man. Even though she just wants some excitement in her life. And it sucks because, like, I don't want to compare Spike Lee and Tyler Perry to one another, but they... It's so similar because they are both... Um, one of the only black uh, directors, filmmakers that are making headway in Hollywood. And they do deserve their flowers because they both, um, with Tyler Perry employing mainly black people and having black actors in his film, in his films when diversity wasn't very popular or well regarded in yeah. Hollywood, and Spike Lee um, showing love to his bro, Brooklyn, and making these films talking about touchy subjects that other filmmakers and other people did not want to touch did not want to talk about in Hollywood and it was yeah. not embraced and him making these moves and making these films to make a clear statement is mm-hmm. how they made such great headway and how they have opened the doors for many other filmmakers so that they can have their chance in Hollywood to create a name for themselves and that way that opens more doors for other even like film studios like Seeing actor after actor create their own production company is something that I love to see. I love that Michael B. Jordan has his own production company. I love that Marze Martin has her own production company. I love that. I think that's amazing. And it's because the people that came before us. And we can recognize the hard work they put in and the artistic merit behind their work and also critique their films because some of the things they've made are very, very bad i don't understand why and she's gotta have it the tv show you had a woman who got a bbl and her ass exploded what was the point <laughs> another one was that there yeah. have it's it... just you know it's it's like all about keeping women in their place for real oh like gosh. for real for real I'm you know they really the... don't want a revolution i mean tyler perry didn't say that he wanted a revolution he so never said that. yeah you know what i mean like He's very much in the Christian, like the middle-aged Christian market. Mm-hmm. So he's like, what you heard? Like, I'm not doing nothing like Tyler Perry. Yes, I punished her because, yes, she's going to hell. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, you're honest about your stuff. But Spike Lee don't want revolution. He don't want revolution. What he wants is to be recognized. That's what he wants. It, um, and the thing is, is that, like, I would love for him to get his recognition because it did... It is kind of upsetting to have seen him get the honorary Oscar um, mm-hmm. at that one Oscars when only white people were nominated, and then Chris Rock hosted the show and made that slide about Jada Pickett. It was Smith. an it was like, an honorary Oscar for for what movie or was it just for like it was just an know? honorary Oscar? They just gave it to him. Just an honorary. Just Oscar. yeah. Because he didn't like have a movie out, so he's just so they're just like, oh, we'll give you an honorary. Oscar. Like, and who wants that? Nobody. Two years later, he gets an Oscar for Black Klansmen. Because they were like, oh, we really Seen gotta it. fix this. Yeah. I didn't know that he got an Oscar for Black Klansmen. It was... I'm not sure if it was I for direction. Feel... I have to look that God, up. That's just so... I'm going to say this. Who's voting? Many like, people who are these, have like, said old this. White people voting? I don't know. Go ahead. 
many people have said that like Black Klansman was not the film that he should have gotten an Oscar for, but they do that a lot. Where the Oscars, they, do. they yes. don't keep up with the times. They don't really reward the movies that deserve it. Really, like Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio getting an Oscar for Revenant when he had all these other previous films. Thank you. It's is so weird, right? Like mm-hmm. they don't even know how to do it for their own. They don't. To be honest. Like, they don't have their finger on the pulse whatsoever. No. Um, So the Oscars, to me, is just nothing. It's just moot. I don't even, like, pay attention to it anymore. I have not watched it in years. Mm. Um, It has nothing to do with who is the most innovative, the best writer, the best whatever. It's just campaigning. It's a lot of campaigning. It's a popularity contest. And it's however they feel, like however their dick swings, that's like who's getting the Oscar. So, you know, sometimes it's on point and most of the time it's not, it's just not. Cause like Spike Lee getting an Oscar for Black Klansman is hilarious. Like that's the funniest thing I've heard. Yes. And also he got the nomination for best director, which was his first directing nomination. Even nomination, that's interesting. Yeah. He had never even been nominated before. And then he That's won funny. for Best Adapted Screenplay. For Black Klansman? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. interesting. The movie was not good. I'm not going to say it's not good. People don't like when I say that. They like <laughs> me to say... They like me to say that I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I'm not going to, you know, just make it like it's objective here. I, I did not like it. Mm-hmm. But, you know... I mean, I'm not the man of the world. It's a yeah. valid, it's a valid point, you know. Yeah, I have, I did make a podcast episode. I don't and my thoughts on it. <clears throat> I really can't remember that much about it, to be honest. But I did. I think the one thing that I liked about the movie was that I never really knew that Denzel Washington had a son. And that his son was in acting. Like, that was my first yeah. introduction to him. Yeah, that was my first introduction to him as well. Yeah. yeah so I was kind of. That's like, his real voice, bro. Yeah. Did you know that? That's his real voice. Mm-hmm. I was just... Did you did you notice his his tone in the in the movie? That it was not like it sounded very stilted. Yeah. It was. What yeah. is that? Yes. I I, th- I think before he did Black Klansman, he was on the show Ballers. Which was oh, an really? HBO show that he had that um The Rock had for a while. Oh really? Yeah, I've I've seen commercials for it, but I've never watched it because the, the the only thing I've ever seen from Ballers was some random clip of The Rock dating a white woman, which is so interesting to me. I feel like that's in his writer. Like he has to be with a white woman in every movie. I mean, you know, as he's he's half uh, Native Hawaiian, I mm-hmm. think. And then he's half black. I mean, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I'm never surprised. <laughs> I'm not I mean... at all. I I think that we should be talking more about. And you know what? I guess there's not that much to talk about. But I love Cassie Lemon so much. I just love her. Um, she directed Eve's Bayou, mm-hmm. and it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Of all. 
time. I think it is beautiful. I think it's beautifully directed. It's beautifully acted. It's beautifully written. Um, And it's really unfortunate that that's that's kind of like the last. I'm not going to say big, big movie because she did do Talk to Me and she did do Harriet. But I feel like Eve's Bayou was much more impactful than both of those movies. And I don't think, I don't really know anything else that she's done, unfortunately. Um, I would love, love, love to see more because that is one of the only um, black movies that portray, well, movies, period, that portrays hoodoo and alternative spirituality, Mm -hmm. alternative religions in, in a balanced way. Yeah. You know, have you seen Eve's, Eve's Bayou? I I feel like I have seen it, but I don't really remember seeing Girl, you it. Have to see it. You have to see it. <laughs> it's on Seriously. my it's on my perpetual watch list. It's beautiful. The cinematography is beautiful. Um, what's what is her name? Smollett. Journey her, Smollett. Her first, Journey Smollett is so good in it. She's so cute. Oh, Journey Smollett is beautiful. But, her, yeah, her her little brother's in it. Um, okay. But every woman in that movie is beautiful. Like, they even have a... God, what is her name? Carol. Something Carol. Now, I'm going to have to look it up. I'm sorry. Because she's even gorgeous in it. And she was wearing, like, voodoo makeup. Okay. Because... I'm gonna kick myself when I finally see Cassie her. Name. Lemons also Diane Carroll. Diane Carroll is in it. Um, Didn't she also direct Candyman? I don't think so. Cassie Lemon? Yes. She directed Candyman? Yeah, the original one. Really? Yeah. And the Whitney Houston movie that just came out. I'm seeing it. The Caveman's Valentine, I see that one. Mm. Are you absolutely sure she directed Candyman? Yeah. Because I'm like on her ass. <laughs> no, girl, she didn't direct Candyman. Yes, she did. Mm-mm. Yes, she did. No. Yes, she did. Where are you seeing this? It's on her Wikipedia. Cassie Lemons? Cassie Lemons, yes. K-A-S-I-L-E-M-M-O-N-S? Yeah. Eve's Bayou, Dr. Hugo, The Caveman's Valentine, Talk to Me, Black Nativity, Harriet. Like, and, and Harriet was made in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when, what year did she, I mean... Candyman was 1992. Oh, she acted in Candyman. Yeah. She didn't direct it. Oh, my bad. No, no, no. She's also an actor. I forgot. She was she was in um she was in Vampire's Kiss also. Okay. Another scary movie. Mm-hmm. I like her as an actress as well. I really like seeing her on screen. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I miss her.
we can definitely move on from Spike Lee because I feel like we said all we need to say about him. Less so, yeah, yeah, fine. <laughs> less so talking about his movie, it's more so just kind of, you know, criticizing him a little bit, but... You said what now? Less so talking about his movie is more so criticizing him a little <laughs> bit. Uh, was there another... Did you want to go into... Tell us a little bit more about Ease Bayou? Or do you want to tell us a little bit more about like any other like um, black classic movies that you really like and enjoy? Uh, let's see. Um, well, I mean, I already talked about um, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, you said you wanted to move on from Spike Lee, so I will move on from that. <laughs> but I love that movie so much. It really, like, it's so nostalgic for me because mm-hmm. I saw it for the first time when I was 10 years old. And okay. it felt, like, very, it felt very familiar to We used to watch Crooklyn all the time. I'm telling you, like, we, have the, we had the tape. Mm-hmm. And we wore that tape out. Okay. Like, we wore that tape out for real. Uh, I think it's really beautifully done. And you can tell that he, um, that he made that movie with his siblings. You can tell that they had a hand in it. I think that he co-wrote it with his sister mm-hmm. or something. But I think it was really beautiful. That's wonderful. Uh, yes, I do. Let's see. Um, that, uh, Chameleon Street, obviously. Mm-hmm. Eats by you. Let's see, one that really impacted me. Um, hmm. I mean, you know, I have some movies that I really like that are Black movies, but they're not necessary, or that Black people are in, but they're not necessarily classic movies. I would not say that they're classic movies. Okay. Um, They might be classic in the Black community, though, like Mm -hmm. The Wood. I think is a really well done coming of age movie. Mm-hmm. I love coming of age. That's one of my favorite genres. Same. And The Wood. Have you seen it? I haven't seen The Wood, but I do love coming of age films. The Wood is really, really good. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I mean, it's, you know, I, I guess I'm used to saying this now, like prefacing it with, um, a sort of like very light trigger warning that this coming of age movie is made by men. And so it's from the perspective of little boys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I I never had to do that before like two years ago, but I feel like it's necessary because people will get mad at me. But it's, I mean, like it's from the perspective of these, I think it was there three boys. And um, well, they start off as, the movie starts off as um, with them getting ready for a wedding. One of them is about to get married okay. and he's having cold feet and they start reminiscing about their days in high school. And um, it's just very cute. Mm-hmm. It's very, very cute. It's really well acted, which I miss. I really miss these black movies that were really prevalent in the 90s and the early 2000s that were just of quality. You know what I mean? Whether you personally like them or not, they were just of quality. The acting was good. The directing was good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And The Wood is one of those movies. 
Um, it's just a quality movie. The story is is really engaging. It's funny without being like crazy and desperate and over the top. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I I really really love it. I do. Okay. All right. Yeah. What's the What's the man's name? Uh, I was about to call him Tyler Perry. Um. What is this man's name? The first uh, actor in a movie. He- Yes, he's married to the the Frozen, the person who did the Frozen. Um, Idina Menzel. Yes, he's married to Idina. Ma- Tay Diggs. Yeah. Tay Diggs. Yeah. Tay Diggs is in it. Oh, okay. That's well, they're still married, but they were married. That's yeah. reminds so, me uh, that um, Tay Diggs is in the Best Men show. I don't know if it's the best man holiday that show on Peacock where it's like the best man. Movie. Yeah. It's a show now. Yeah. It's a TV show now. Cause yeah, I've been the seeing... best man is good too. That's a good movie too. Yeah. The first one, mm-hmm. the best man holiday made me cry. I was in the theater by myself and I was bawling. I was bawling, uh-huh. but who knows? Because no one was there to see me. Mm-hmm. I don't cry in front of people, okay? But I was bawling <laughs> in the dark of the theater where nobody could see me. I really liked it. And I didn't think that I would. I was just seeing it because I was nostalgic for the, the original. But um, I, was, I was not disappointed. But the first one is really good. The Best Man in the Wood, absolutely recommend. Also, Morris Chestnut has been doing a lot of press lately. And that has brought a whole legion of people just thirsting over him, which is... Uh, you know, it's kind of like slow down, guys. Chestnut was the man back in the day. He, he was. was true. You know, like he was the what? Big one of the big three. It mm-hmm. was it was him, Shamar Moore, and Tay Diggs. Yeah, maybe there was one other one, but yeah, I mean, he deserves it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Were there any other movies that you wanted to? Um, discuss or cover or uh, we can get into the last segment okay yeah what's that okay the last segment is called uh, my watch list which is basically where you talk about tv shows or movies that you can't wait to see um they don't have to be coming out soon they could just be literally okay. on your watch list things that you've been meaning to see things that you want to see that should be coming out anytime or have come out recently and one thing that I am going to try and watch soon is Emily the Criminal, because Aubrey Emily, Plaza... Emily the Criminal? Emily the Criminal. Okay. Because Aubrey Plaza has had this love and resurgence come upon her with uh, her role in The White Lotus, and I love that. So I'm going to go check it out and see... I haven't even seen The White Lotus yet, but I heard that's good. I actually just finished The White Lotus, and when I first started it, I was kind of like, okay, so this is going to be a slow burn. I'm going to have to, like, give it a shot. It's one of those shows where when you first start watching it, it's kind of like, all right, there's something here. There's something to this. I just got to stick with it and see how it goes. And it doesn't disappoint. It's honestly very interesting. And it's one of those shows where, like, when I heard everyone else talking about it, I was kind of concerned that it would be like, oh, you guys like it you guys think it's so great and I'm going to watch it and be like, eh, it's okay. It's all right. But I actually like really enjoyed it and I really did love it. I feel like after I hear a couple other people's opinions on the show, it'll give me more context as to like what the frick is going on and why these people act like this. 
but season two is definitely a little more unhinged than season one. Yeah. But I don't think, well, some of it is not great, but overall it's very, very good and very entertaining. And Mike White is kind of a genius for at least season one. I think season one was a lot better than season two because season one focuses on money. Season two focuses more on like, focuses more on like sex and stuff. But yeah. um yeah, it's a pretty good show. Yeah. And um crap, what was it? Oh yeah. Emily the Criminal. That's something I've been meaning to watch. And I'm trying to get more into watching movies rather than watching TV shows because It's harder. I don't know why it's harder though, because movies are so much shorter. Why am I right, watching Right, but, but it takes up like a two and a half hour block of time mm-hmm. when you could just watch one episode of a show that's like 30 minutes long. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's just easier because I've been watching TV shows too. It's been a lot easier, especially because I have like a baby who's clinging to me all the time. I can't just because I'm trying to watch Cliffhanger. And I have to rewind the first 20 minutes like five times and it's just like, forget it. I'm just going to watch a a TV show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, I think that's the only thing that I'm really looking for. The only thing like currently that I'm going to be looking out for to watch. There are a lot of things in my Netflix watch list that I need to like I need to go through this thing and I need to like clean it out. Like I need yeah. to start watching some of this stuff. At this point, I'm just adding things to my list. Like, oh yeah, I'll watch this. Up. No, I need to watch these things. Like I need to actually like stop messing around. Like my perpetual watch list is too long now. Like I need to cle- clear it out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm whittling mine down right now. I'm waiting for the next um season of what we do in the shadows which is going to take forever and um also our flag means death oh i love that show um i love i don't even correct me if i'm pronouncing his name incorrectly taika waitiki i think that's it you think that's it okay i am in love with him Mm -hmm. um i love his work so much um, I even love the Marvel movies that he directs. He's just so, he is so free and nonchalant mm-hmm. with his sexuality. Like, honestly, like it it shows so much in everything he does. It's like never a big deal. It's like never an issue um, when a character is not straight. And I absolutely love that. It reminds me of what Greg Araki does. Like everyone's just by. And it's like, it's lovely. But my uh, Our Flag Means Death, I started watching that after I finished um, What We Do in the Shadows. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is way different from What We Do in the Shadows, because I had fallen in love with it. And I just started watching it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is brilliant. It's so good. It's such a good love story. Have you seen it? I love both shows. I've seen what we do. You love sh- both shows. I love both of them. I've seen what we do in the shadows three times over. Like, really? That's my comfort show. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really good. And I didn't think that um, he could drag the documentary, the the mockumentary style, um, 
over like one season. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm going to get sick of it after one season. It's just going to be a one trick pony, you know, but it's, it's super good. Like the, the characters actually evolve. Um, it's just really well done. Love the acting. It's hilarious. Mm -hmm. So yeah, none, none of my picks are like actual new shows, but they're what I'm watching. And like I said, I'm rewatching the Americans, uh, which came out in 2014, I think. I'm rewatching that with my partner. Mm -hmm. So um, I just think that's one of the greatest shows ever created, ever created. I so yeah, have you seen it? I've always been meaning to watch The Americans, but I haven't seen it yet. No. I absolutely 100% uh, recommend it. And I don't know um, what your proclivities are. I don't know if you like just straight drama or not. I'm usually not a straight drama person unless it's gruesome. Um, but The Americans is like top tier writing. Top tier I used to be only a person that would watch dramatic shows. Like, my favorite shows for a while were Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, House of Cards. Like, I always liked those kind of very high drama shows. And I've gotten, I've fallen more in love with comedy simply because it's just easier to watch those day to day. Like, Ted Lasso is something I recently gave a shot to. Like, I gave it a try and I was like, you know, this is pretty good. I like this. And there are two shows on Amazon Prime that are coming out that I really can't wait to see. One of them is Invincible Season 2, which is finally coming mm -hmm. out. Thank God. <laughs> I love that show so much. I think it's great. And also um, The Hunters is the show mm -hmm. with Al Pacino and Logan Lerman. And it's the second also final season, which sucks because like season one only came out in 2018. So we've been, not 2018, I think it only came out like three years ago, so probably not 2018, but we've been waiting forever for the show to come back. And now it's back, but it's going to be the last season, which really does suck. And I hope it doesn't do like a rush job to like finish the story. But um, I guess those are the also two shows that I had to put on my watch list because even though long awaited uh, seasons tend to be a lot better than like seasons that are like back to back to back because they take the time to really think about the story and think about what they're putting out. And Invincible is also already a really great show. So I'm yeah. very excited to see that. Yeah. I've never seen Invincible before. Oh, you should definitely give it a shot. It's really good. Um, if you can, if you're good with gore, then you should give it a shot. It does. Here's the thing about Invincible, right? Here's the thing about mm -hmm. like a lot of like, um, new shows that are coming out now because Marvel basically made superheroes cool and it precedes the content we're getting right now about superheroes and stuff. So now a lot of the TV shows that are coming out with superheroes in those stories. They're not clean cut family friendly. Like the, the boys. Way. Yeah. Like the boys, yeah. like Peacemaker, Doom Patrol, and Invincible. They present superheroes as they would be in real life. That's much more interesting. Yeah. That's much more interesting than, than Superman, honestly. Because mm -hmm. just because you have powers doesn't mean that you're a good person. Mm -hmm. And that's much more terrifying. What if just anybody had powers and they could do whatever they wanted? Mm -hmm. That's a terrifying, nightmarish prospect. And I think it makes for usually a much better story. 
I do have to say, um, I really do like the show The Boys. I'm never going to say that I love that show because I do mm-hmm. have a lot of problems with that show. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm interested to see what's going to happen in season t- next season. I will say that I it's not. I don't like the fact that like the only brown person in the cast is a head exploding terrorist who's part of the yeah. United States who would fit yeah. so well into the QAnon-esque group that is led by Homelander in the show. You're really yeah. you're trying you're screwing me over right now, Kripke. You're screwing me over right now, okay? First it was supernatural, now it's this. I don't know what to do with you, okay? Like <laughs> yeah we'll just have to wait and see because it's one of those things where it's like i know i'm gonna watch it i know i'm gonna watch it but oh my gosh i i would after watching it i would feel so better if i could fight somebody because i know it's not gonna (laughs) it's not gonna make me happy to watch the show but it's still such a good show and i'm gonna give it a chance and also the guy who plays mother milk he's truly like my favorite on the show like i don't care about the skinny little white boy yeah. I'm actually very surprised mm-hmm. because I thought, like, as soon as I saw him, like, big bulky black guy, I'm like, okay, he's going to be the stock character who, like, doesn't really have a personality, which is always just always what they do. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I really like him. He is probably my favorite character oh, besides yeah. Homelander. <laughs> I was watching... Him and Homelander. You like Homelander? <laughs> I like Homelander as a character, absolutely. Okay. I don't like him as a, if he were a real person, I don't Mm -hmm. like his personality, but as a character, I uh, 100% enjoy when he is on screen. I do have to say, I've always been a fan of Carl Urban as an actor. So seeing him in Mm -hmm. The Boys is like that little thing where it's like, I know who you are. I've watched all your previous movies. I'm actually a fan of you. And you being in something this big, like feeds a little part of me that's like, like because he's an actor and he's known but he's kind of like a little underrated the same way Tom Hardy is the same way Colin Farrell is so it's like yay we're still kind of like what are we doing and Laz Alonzo who plays Mother Milk he was in Jumping the Broom that's where I remember him from because that's where I remember what movie I saw him in I love that movie it is I've never seen it but I love that movie yes I mean sorry I I remember that movie not I love that movie um is is what is her name who's who's the woman in it who's the one who's getting married it's is it it's it's a um i don't remember the actress hold on i wonder on. if i'm i'm wrong paula Patton. oh yeah 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 okay oh paula Patton was in it i mixed her up with someone else yo paula Patton was one of those actresses you would see in like black films and it's like oh look it's a stupid one Look at her. The stupid one, you said? Yes. Yes. Did she always play the stupid one? Kinda. Really? I always thought, well, from previews, because honestly, I've seen her in like one sometimes, movie. I always thought. Sometimes she plays the stupid one, but sometimes she plays like, oh, there she goes, the pretty one. You know, it's like typecast is like the pretty girl, you know, and she is very beautiful, Paula Patton, you know. I mean, you know, that's kind of the role that, that, light-skinned women are given yeah you know if you're because if you're an actress if you are a a youngish actress who is getting roles you're probably attractive right Mm -hmm. there's a 90 percent chance that you're more attractive 
than most of the population, whether you're dark skinned or light skinned. But light skinned actresses usually do get typecast as the pretty one for obvious reasons, obvious historical reasons that we don't have to go into. But yeah. It's also interesting to me whenever you see like a light skinned actress be cast and both their parents are like mahogany. And you're sitting there like, now I know she got a white mama. Why are we lying? What's going on? Like in the most recent movie, I think is You People with Lauren London and Jonah Hill. Where it's like, mm-hmm. Lauren London. I don't want to be the kind of person to be like, show me a picture for parents. But say so, it's kind of like, is your mother Nia Long? Because Nia Long and Lauren London are very close in age. So I don't know why they're playing. Like They made Nia Long her mom. That's yes. Hilarious. That's hilarious. Wow. And Lauren London is, when she made that movie, did that come out a few years ago? Which movie? You People? You People just came out. Really? Yeah. It, oh, it came out well, on the 20th. I feel like Lauren London is like older than me or maybe maybe a few years younger than me or something. But like Nia Long could, could not have been my mom. Yeah. Unless she had me when she was like 15. Right. Like, yeah. What's going on? Okay, sure. Yes. Um, okay. Was there anything else that you're excited to see coming out? Or anything on your watch list? I don't think so. Okay. Well, you know what? This has been a wonderful time. I was very glad to have you on the podcast. I'm, I'm very thank happy. you for having me yes of course thank you for being on i really appreciated it and yes. guys thank you for listening i appreciate you taking the time to listen to the podcast this week don't forget to share with your friends listen to us on spotify listen to us on anchor uh please check out uh theresa aka luscious garbage on tiktok all the links will be in the description Don't forget to check out the Patreon for the pod as well, where you can get access to the full video and audio before it is uploaded onto Spotify and Anchor and early access to any kind of highlights on the YouTube channel. And have a great day. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. I just ended the recording.